This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't be a pussy, laser my fucking tits. Welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we're doing something a little bit different. Instead of covering a specific episode, we are going to zoom out. We're going to fly out, if you will, and take a look at season two as a whole because a whole lot of shit has gone down and we want to talk about it. And we also have a special guest joining us. We are joined by a sister from the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad, the host of the fantastic Bodies of Heart, Nicole Goble. Welcome to the pod. Hello. So excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. I love that you're here. It's so funny. This podcast has like connected me with so many people that it's like I already know and love but like oh my god wait you like the boys too you know it's like we have horror in common but it's been so great to find out folks like yourself are also a fan of the show love it absolutely love it well so tell us about your relationship with the boys the Amazon show I want to specify (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna say wow um (laughs) yeah where do i start that's another podcast yeah (laughs) how much do you charge like (laughs) do i need to lay down on the couch um no uh so i was really excited when this was announced because i had read a little bit of the comics Mm. um so i was like how fuck are they gonna do this Mm -hmm. um (laughs) because there's there's obviously some places that the comics goes that you cannot put on television mm-hmm. and so i was really excited and then as the cast was being announced and i was just like wow this is going to be i think really something spectacular and i have been in its thrall since episode one season one. Oh wow so you started at the very beginning yes and you Wow. I love that, that you've read the comics too. too. So like coming at it from that perspective, like, were you happy? Like, have you been happy with how they've handled the material based on like the comics that you've read? Does it seem pretty true? Yeah. um, What's interesting is that the changes that they make, um, and they, I think there's a couple of big ones in this season. Yeah. Actually, I think are just really fascinating. Mm. Um. There, there seems to be a lot of thought to it and lots of things that you can kind of unpack with the choices that they make. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, I, I had read the comics. It's not like I was a complete, like, this is my favorite comic of all time. This is my, like, this is my holy text. Yeah. But um, I, I really liked it. And so I was interested knowing just based on the material that there 
we're definitely going to need to be lots of tweaks uh, mm. to the material. And and I I have to say I so far they are doing uh, very right by the changes that they make. Oh, good. That's great to hear. Yeah, there are a couple of changes that I do know about, um, particularly Ryan. Um, and then I know there's some stuff and, you know, we haven't met soldier boy in this, um, we haven't met him yet. So I, maybe we'll save the tidbit that I know about him <laughs> and Homelander for maybe next season, but are you caught up on the boys, the show and have you watched Gen V at all? Uh, yes. So I am a little bit behind on Gen V just because November is a complete wash for me with work. And so um, that really consumes all of my my time. And it's a little bit harder to like while I'm doing, you know, kind of like the data entry aspects of my job to have like a little show going on in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I'm a little behind on that, but I'm definitely caught up on the boys and yeah, I mean, We've got season four trailer. We are, we are souped up, ready to go. It's so exciting. It's coming. It is. I'm so excited. Yeah. I was so scared because I feel like they have been filming this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, when's it coming? Is it happening? Is this a joke? Mm -hmm. What's going on? I need to know. And so, yeah. yeah, the trailer, I was like, okay, we're good. It's happening. It's real. Let's yes. Go. Yeah. I think yeah. the strikes definitely, obviously, I'm sure they were like, is it coming? Like, we don't know. I know. <laughs> I know. So much uncertainty, but it seems like we're finally in a place that they're like, all right, we can move forward now. So yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, it gives us the- more time to catch up too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like maybe they were trying to help us out a little bit. You Thank know? you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I'm a huge fan of Glow and it just, that show got canceled on a cliffhanger. And so you just never know, you know, especially with the, the streaming stuff, um, yeah. you know, the more risky stuff, uh, which this definitely is. Um, but yeah, we are, um, we are looking at season four next year. I'm so excited. I also am very grateful that that trailer while exciting did not spoil anything big because <laughs> Rachel and I were texting about it and I was like, oh, I want to watch it. I want you to watch it. Cause I love watching the trailers before the seasons. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just watch them, you know, anyways, but, um, it's it's really great and of course we got a blonde man covered in blood which is you know one of my favorite things so <laughs> always a win <laughs> it is always a win yeah especially when it's Anthony Starr oh well speaking of blonde men covered in blood let's move into our first category which is the name of the game and we are just going to dip our toes in because we're going to skip a few of our regular categories and have a little bit more of a loose conversation about the season as a whole If this is your first episode and you're looking for more detailed coverage of some of what we're about to talk about, you are in luck because we have 16 episodes in which we unpack each episode, episode by episode. That's a lot of episodes, but both of my cats came in here and started um, fighting. So, you know, let me know if you can hear them. (laughs) 
Which which one's uh, a soup and which one is a member of the boys? Oh man, Ellie is definitely um, a soup and Saber is the boys. Although <laughs> if you ask Corey, he would tell you the opposite because Saber loves me and mm. he's jealous. So he likes to paint Saber as a villain, even though she is <laughs> super sweet. But yeah, Saber's, Saber's a, her superhero power is destroying my Christmas tree. Nice. Very specific. Exactly. (laughs) Ellie's is climbing the curtains. So, you know, it's, it's just super cat fun over here. (laughs) You know, what would be super, cause you know, they have like this, the mysterious life of pets or like super pets, you know? Yeah. I would love like an X rated pets show, just like about Homelander's hamster (laughs) or something. (laughs) I got myself a pet cam because i travel yeah um a bit for work and i have always wondered like what does kubrick get up to when i'm away yeah she's so boring y'all like (laughs) i just like it saddens me Mm -hmm. but then i'm like well the camera's only like focused on a like one area mm-hmm. um because like i wanted to make sure like that she's eating mm-hmm. and stuff like that so and her cat castle is on a complete separate wall so mm-hmm. um i i think she does most of her lounging there yeah. um so i but i'm like wow this is this is not what i expected <laughs> I expected excitement. I ex- I expected parties. I expected uh-huh. the catnip to be flying. Yeah. And instead, it's just like, here's me eating. Lots of sleeping. Yeah, I got to go poop now. <laughs> you clean it up later. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if she's like a catnip dealer and she just like conducts all of her business just outside the lens? Well, she's mm. not contributing to rent, so oh. <laughs> we'll have a talk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. Let's move into our next category. Speaking of stuff that's been happening, this is our category Sup with the Soups, which is where we recap what happened over the course of the season. Again, this is going to be a little more broad than we normally do. And once again, Rachel's superpower has been saving my ass by remembering to write this. So thank you so much, Rachel. <laughs> Oh, would you care to read our synopsis? Sure. There was so much I had to like, okay, just focus on one thing mm-hmm. at a time. So that's what I did. I broke it down kind of by these little major bits that I could remember. The first being the rise of Stormfront, um, who shows up and just kind of dominates the season in a lot of ways. She's initially presented as a social media savvy hero. Um, and Stormfront's true intentions were revealed as the season progressed. She turned out to be a dangerous and manipulative character with a dark history and a Nazi. So there's that. Um, Butcher seemed to face a lot of dilemmas. He faced internal conflicts as he learned more about the situation of his wife, Becca. Becca, who was previously thought to be dead, was actually alive and raising a son with Homelander. Well, sort of raising it with him. He's just kind of there taking, you know, credit for a lot of things. Uh, Butcher grappled with his feelings for Becca and his hatred for Homelander and kind of leaves on a bit of a, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Butcher. The Deep um, has a bit of a redemption journey or thinks he's on a redemption journey. He uh, gets ousted from the Seven, of course, and ends up joining a group called the Church of the Collective, which promised to help him regain his status and 
bind his independence and security and confidence. Uh, they also, you know, promised to take over all of his bank accounts. <laughs> he also got married. Can you believe it? I can't, yeah. but he did. Um, and also, I think, is just super naive and has learned nothing. But I yeah. guess we'll see with that. I'm still Huey, mad about no dolphin best men, too. No dolphin best men, no no like wetsuit no. tux. I'm still yeah. I want that wedding episode. Come on. <laughs> this is the spin-off we want. <laughs> I know. Just give it to me. Um Huey and Starlight's relationship. They have continued their relationship amid the chaos. And despite facing numerous challenges, pop-in mothers, physical violence, and more, they both kind of discover how much they truly care for each other. And it's so freaking sweet. But even more secrets get exposed, um, and the boys delve deeper into those dark secrets, revealing their unethical experiments and manipulation of soups to the world for political and financial gain. They, The boys reveal it to the world. They don't reveal it for political and financial gain. <laughs> um, they also discover that there's a whole soup terrorist cultivation center called Sage Grove, and it's super fucked up. And Lamplighter's been hanging out there. So we get to see what happened and who Lamplighter is. Becca, oh, Becca, her fate mm. takes a tragic turn when Ryan gets involved um, with her Stormfront standoff at the end. This then leads to yet another confrontation uh, between Butcher and Homelander that surpri and surprisingly surprised me. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other boys, all the other boys, we finally learn what really went down between Frenchie, Lamplighter, and the horrible night Grace lost her grandkids. Because of this, Lamplighter earns a little forgiveness. Frenchie takes a heavy emotional burden off his own shoulders, and he reconnects with Kamiko and re-stabilizes their relationship. Also, so cute. Oh, and also Kamiko goes through it with her brother. Stormfront kills her brother, and oh. she has been kind of processing that throughout the... Um, throughout the season as well and how to kind of yeah carry that burden mm -hmm. um there's a little bit of a coup within the seven they have been faced some internal struggles and power dynamics with tensions rising amongst its members mainly uh what well, a train kind of gets kicked out Maeve has her own issues obviously starlight becomes a traitor so the seven is in chaos um the quest for dominance and control over Vought's operations created conflicts and just kind of completely destabilized the superhero group. This includes a true girls get it done moment with Starlight, Maeve, and Kimiko teaming up against Stormfront. That is one for the books. Yay. I think that kind of stuff. I was like, I was like, is there anything? I'm, there's a lot else. I'm but... sure there's other stuff that we've forgotten. <laughs> like as we were going through, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I know. There's yeah. Yeah. And hey, and gentle listener, we have covered everything in minute detail. So if there is something we forgot or that we don't talk about in this episode, I am sure we have covered it in a previous sure. one. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that recap. That is man, when you think about the first episode of season two and the arc that we have been on and just this yeah. this journey it's just so many twists and turns and and i love it so much well let's move into our next category which is bad boys and i think we should start with the the biggest bad boy of them all partly because he is what really kicks off this season with we find out that homelander 
has not only assaulted Becca, but this assault has resulted in a child named Ryan who has still kind of undefined superpowers, but we know that he is a soup and they've been living in this sequestered Truman Show-esque kind of neighborhood for like eight years, I think. Mm -hmm. So Nicole, I'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts on Homelander in general and how you feel about him this season. Wow, this season is a journey with him. Like we know that he's awful. Um, We know that season one, but I feel like his arc in this season is really about just burning it all down Um, Mm -hmm. and really stepping up his control. um, I think within the seven, Um, because it's really, it starts out, with kind of this battle between him and Stormfront mm-hmm. over like who is going to be the supreme. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously that takes <laughs> that takes <laughs> a real real special turn. Um real sexy turn. Yeah. Well <laughs> okay. Some um, may find it sexy. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. Even though they're evil. <laughs> I mean okay. Um, but they, uh, but, you know, we, we definitely see him, I think, showing a little bit more of his true character, Mm -hmm. um, a bit in, in kind of broad daylight. And I think it's so shocking to see that people, you know, like we are sitting there like, oh, he's so awful. He's terrible. He's kind of showing a bit of his true colors here by, by saying these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one really reacts the way that we think they yeah. they should. Um, also, he seems to really be now um, really wanting to uh, to assert his control, just not over the seven, but over the whole company, mm-hmm. think, and show that like you need me, I don't necessarily need you. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with. Becca and Ryan is really upsetting because they're kind of like prisoners. You know, I think about um, children that are like kidnapped young and basically raised by individuals that kidnapped them and they don't know any better and they're isolated. And mm-hmm. I've watched too, too many true crime documentaries, <laughs> but it it's really kind of harrowing. And then you get the added jolt of like what's going to happen with Ryan Mm -hmm. and how is that going to like how is that going to progress so yeah Homelander I know that in a lot of interviews Anthony Starr has always talked about like his Homelander's weakness is his need for love Mm -hmm. and approval by everyone and I think that this is him realizing that he'll never necessarily get it, mm-hmm. which also plays into some real special moments with Doppelganger. Mm. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Homelander is so fascinating because it's like you at the beginning, you see this guy who's just like, his, I think his ego is bruised and he's a little just unstable and not really sure where he's going to fit into this whole bot thing. And then, you know, he 
eliminate Stillwell, obviously, but I don't think that had the intended effect that he was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And then through Stormfront, you really see him kind of get his confidence back. Not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but she is feeding that ego, feeding, you know, feeding all of that. And then, but then you've on the other side of it, you've got like Homelander, the father, which I feel like is maybe the only actual like redeeming thing about him in moments. I don't agree, obviously, yeah, with what he's yeah. doing, but there are moments when he's being actually really super vulnerable. And I think we're seeing like, oh, there's a little bit of a spark there or like like a little bit of hope there. Yeah. And then but by the last episode, by the end of it, when Ryan kind of chooses to go with Butcher, it's just like, that's it. Like, yeah, any sort of flicker yeah. flame of hope is just like this person is dead inside and it's mm-hmm. so terrifying he yeah. I mean, so it's like a full he goes through a full journey in this season and yeah. i loved it <laughs> yeah he really does and i think about like because i do think we see a lot of humanity in homelander even though it does not excuse anything he does he is bad for the record no matter how dreamy i think he is i do think he he is a bad guy he does a lot of terrible things but we do see these moments of you know the person he might have been you know Mm -hmm. if he had a mother like ryan who maybe cared about him and wanted instead of mr bot who just looked at him through like a glass window and like he had this one blue blanket and there there's this moment in the first season where he's filming this commercial at this fake home and he's looking at this blanket and you know i feel sympathy for him there because he just wants a home and then there's another moment in this season where he wants to have this like idyllic breakfast with ryan and becca and i mean even then he's kind of a dick he's like well why should we speak spanish that's stupid um so like you know, his true colors are always showing through, but I think it also really shows that what he really wants is unconditional love. He wants to have a family. I don't know if he even realizes that's what he wants, but he keeps trying to capture this like American dream, which is so interesting because he is like the Americana personified, but it's like this one piece of it, this like thing that would make him a human is the thing that he can't he can't ever have you know well and i think it also ties in with him trying to deal with the realization of how he was made and Mm -hmm. raised and not having parentage i think it's explored in the comics and anyone listening that is much more versed on the comics please feel free (laughs) to hunt me down (laughs) <laughs> but I believe that there's this nurse that he has like this very close relationship with hmm. as a child and he ends up killing her mm. or hurting her um, very badly because he goes to hug her and he hugs her too tight. Oh, so it's not malicious. It's not harmful mm. with intent. It's really heartbreaking because it's yeah. a child who wants to express love and does that and it has the most disastrous result. And Mm -hmm. I think all of this plays, I mean, obviously like he, he, I think also has a lot of issues with the mother figure Mm -hmm. um, as well. So I, yeah, I, I like that we get these moments 
with him and Ryan because, I mean, at the end of the day, taking out things, it's just, it's really boring when a villain is just completely one note. Mm-hmm. And we don't find these moments of like, wow, they've experienced some real messed up stuff and that yeah. had to impact them. Or I kind of, I, I absolutely can't agree and won't agree with what they're doing, but I kind of get it. Yeah. Um, while they're making certain choices. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the purpose and this, Rachel, this reminds me of what we were just talking about on the Losers Club when we were talking about Lee Harvey Oswald with mm-hmm. eleven twenty two sixty three. is like, is there still sympathy we can feel for this person, even though we don't, that doesn't excuse anything they do. We know that they're still a monster, but are they still reachable? And I think that the purpose is not necessarily trying to change Homelander, it's recognizing the people that are on the path to becoming Homelander and aren't nearly that far along yet. So if there's a way that we can step in and say, maybe this person just needs a little bit of love, or maybe like they need a little more understanding, then then that's going to keep them from getting so radicalized. And I mean, we always have to take care of ourselves. And I think you know, we don't owe anybody love or understanding, but I think that there are a lot of people like Homelander once was a child that needed someone strong enough to hug him and in a way that he understood love and he didn't get it. And this is what happens. I love that you say he's kind of like the personification of like the American dream. Cause I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, like he's like the perfect victim of the American yeah. dream, right? Because it's just like all these you know, he's a victim of capitalism. He's a, you know, a victim of that whole industry of developing the soups, right? And Mm -hmm. he's an emotionally a victim because he wants this family so bad. And yet, you know, just, you know, it's not that easy. You can't just sit everybody at a table and make them drink orange juice and have it be the perfect family. And like, he can't have that. And he, you know, we see him for a long time where he's, out there saying all these things but then you know the public's turning on him and it's just it's not as easy i think as he thinks it is or anticipated it and he's disappointed time and time again and that is kind of the american dream right you it sets all these super high standards for like this is what you can have which ultimately is impossible Mm -hmm. to like have all of those things are extremely difficult and then yeah by the end of the season, I think we just see him like give up on that dream in every aspect of it. Give up on the idea of being loved by the community, by the public, give up by being loved by another person, give up on the family. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where he's the most dangerous because it's like if you have no hope, if you have nothing to strive for, like, oof. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and that's what Stormfront says at the end of the season and I'm paraphrasing, like, no one has as much pain as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a really astute point that even though he's supposed to represent what is the best of these true American values and, and what being American is supposed to be, he's also very much just representing the horrific consequences of those yeah. expectations and yeah. or the realities of it yeah because mm-hmm. it's like even at the end it's like he's still out there portraying this you know persona for everybody else and nobody else knows yeah. like 
behind the scenes how just a complete disaster he is and how terrifying he is. Well, Mm. and what's interesting, if we think about, like, I remember in our season one recap, we talked a lot about the Believe Expo and I just keep seeing him like rising above the crowd, like looking like a savior. And he just really leaned into this religious thing. And he was even like baptizing people, you know? And I think this season in season two, you know, another moment we see is when he flies in and he just like accidentally kills somebody while he's killing a terrorist or a super terrorist in quotation marks that mm-hmm. makes a joke and flies away. And so this season, I feel like the public is starting to see more of the cracks. They're starting to see that he is a little bit messier and in in a way that is making him more dangerous because it is making some people like him so much more and it's letting him know and stormfront is partially responsible for this that like they're still gonna love you and so you can lean into that messiness you can lean into the the cruelty if you want because that's what they're gonna love you for you don't always have to say you guys are the real heroes you can make them believe that these people are the heroes and those people are the villains and that and i think he finds that he is really really good at that But let's talk about Stormfront, because I think in season one, we talked a lot about Annie as a change agent kind of coming into the seven. And I think that Stormfront is the change agent for this season. One, she is the big bad, although she doesn't appear bad at first. She appears like, you know, almost like a breath of fresh air. And I remember when we were talking about those first couple of episodes, I was like, Rachel, what do you think? Rachel, what do you think? Like really I like trying genuinely, not to skew it. Like I liked her in those first few episodes and I was really excited. But I mean, you know, I also kind of was, you know, like, okay, this is too good to be true. Like what's right, going to yeah. happen here? Like I was very tentatively, but I liked what she was saying. I liked what she was doing. And I think mm-hmm. that was just so like, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not like happy with her character by the end of this, but I love that they presented her that way because- mm-hmm. I think that's just, that's kind of what folks like that do, right? They know the buttons to push. They know the words to say and how to get people on their side. And I mean, yeah, even like Starlight and Maeve, I don't think that they were, I think that they were also like, maybe she could be okay. Maybe she could be Mm -hmm. my friend, you know, like that conversation that she has with Starlight and is like, it's okay. You don't have to whisper. Like, you can tell me like, fuck these guys. And she's like, oh, wait, can I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then little does she know she's actually like one of the founding members of the whole institution. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, man, that feminism, like it's the Trojan horse of feminism, you know? It's like yeah, she sneaks in telling us what we want to hear because she knows how to manipulate us. And, and then she, there's a rotten core on the inside. Mm-hmm. Nicole, how do you feel about Stormfront? Wow. This is a change from the comics. Oh, really? She's not female. In, really? It's a guy and is, yes, is an OG soup. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it's believed that the DNA from Stormfront has essentially been like, part of the DNA of creating these other soups. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like about switching the the gender representation of Stormfront is that I think it 
like you were just saying, the Trojan horse of feminism and how manipulative people can be in situations to uh, find people's like soft spots of where they want to, you know, they the women in the seven are maligned and mm-hmm. treated atrociously. And she finds a way to kind of like at first rub a little bit of salt on that, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here, I'm supportive. Um, I wanna I wanna make things better and this is how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be like a mistress of memes, which the creativity is fifteen out of ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. The evil's also fifteen out of ten too. Yeah, the downside. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I mean, she's using the evil for creative purposes. That's true. <laughs> so it all flows together. And um, but yeah, so a little bit of background on Stormfront from what I remember. One of Bot's like first superhero creations and Hitler took him under his wing as a youth um was part of the uh kind of like youth hitler youth and then third reich and then hitler turned on him he was expelled laid low and yeah so very similar kind of like bits and beats to their story but it's interesting with Stormfront given current political climates mm-hmm. the fact that Homeland Homelander is like attracted to her yeah. um, and is really drawn in by her because I think again there's kind of an argument to be made that there are different sides to the same coin Mm-hmm. in a lot of ways i love how stormfront like kind of like negs homelander like she's mm-hmm. just like not only is she manipulating you know S- starlight and mave and the-, the public but like just the way that she uses her her feminine wiles you know intentionally mm-hmm. and like she's been around long enough that you know she's like okay i know how to play this game and mm-hmm. she knows how to play homelander from the second she meets him even though i mean obviously she knows who he is and knows all about him mm-hmm. and she just knows exactly how to play him mm-hmm. by just like pretending how little she does care by messing with his head and then once he's in that position, she's able to just completely flip that and use that to get, you know, intimately involved with him. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, I don't actually know. There's part of me that's like, she didn't care about Homelander at all. But then it's like, wait, but did she? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think like she actually had any sort of feelings for Homelander or was just using him the entire time? I'm not sure she does i think she and i think both of those things can be true you know she probably started kind of when like i I just remember her saying to annie like oh i'm gonna be able to use you i bet she saw him and thought 
huh, I can use you. I know how to manipulate you. You're a man. I know mm-hmm. how to use use my femininity to to be what you want me to be and, you know, nag you a little bit. But I also think that she does really care about him. And I think, you know, I, I feel like a broken record, but I kept saying, like, if they were better people, they would be a great couple, like, because this is somebody that Homelander could actually hug and not hurt, you know, and they are yeah. able to have this, like, really destructive sex and you know the the problem is they're just bad people and they're using this for evil it's like we were saying about the creativity like they could be using this creativity for good and they're not but i think that she does really like him and i think if if they hadn't blown up her spot and she had been able to keep going i could see them having a future and maybe trying to have kids or something which well like like she even says too right like he like embodies everything that Mm Vought has been striving for right like he's kind of the the perfect specimen for what their goals were Mm -hmm. so i mean whether or not she actually likes him as a person it would make sense that she would have gone on to be like oh no i'm gonna be with you because you are like it yeah and we're gonna be that kind of couple because why wouldn't she want to be with you know the perfect (laughs) the perfect nazi superhero Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly and i think that that's also i think that's obviously a piece of it too like she zeroes in on him because that's what he represents mm-hmm. and and she, and so, she knows what he can do with that yeah. like with that power that he already has she just you know she just needs to change him just a little bit to make yeah. him believe in himself as like she believes in him i think mm-hmm. well they have very complementary powers in that mm-hmm. i think they're also both very good at mass manipulation they're very good about spinning stories and being able to say, like, no, this is actually what went down. This is actually how this happened. You know, she's been around for a very long time mm-hmm. and has laid low despite, um, you know, her past. And so she's obviously, I mean, she's been protected by Vod, but... Mm-hmm. um she's also had some real skill in that mm-hmm. so i i think that they they do really complement each other in that way and again i think given the changes that they made in the character it to me feels like a very pointed kind of commentary on you know kind of this neo nazism and the rise of that within our own country and how easy it is to be uh kind of sucked in by some of these ideas if someone you know kind of lays a little bit of sugar down first and we see mm-hmm. her trying that with ryan as well yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah she's she's a real special character and <laughs> real piece of work yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, and we've got that episode. I think it's season or it's episode six where it starts with this person who is hearing her messages over and over and over again and ends up shooting uh, and storm killing. chaser. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just it, you know, this is stuff that's happening every day now and it's just not so dramatic and, 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 you know, so I, I guess my question is if we're looking at 
I would say Homelander is the season one biggest villain. Would we say Stormfront is the biggest villain of season two, or do we think Homelander is still the biggest threat of the show? She's a bigger threat to me because she's smarter than Homelander mm-hmm. is. You know, yeah. Homelander's just like, I mean, he's just an egotistical man, right? Like yeah. he's out there, but he's also stupid. And he's also mm-hmm. like, we see him like lose his shit a couple times right and she's much more controlled Mm -hmm. and she's much more focused than he is with that energy so like homelander it's like yeah he would probably blow up and it would be a disaster but like in the long runs i think stormfront was a bigger threat yeah well and i i agree completely also i think that Vought has, as a company, I think has a much more vested interest in protecting her mm-hmm. than him and sustaining her. So, I mean, there are um, superheroes that I think that Stormfront was probably brought in by Edgar mm-hmm. um, to to kind of play mm-hmm. Homelander. Well, and- yeah, I was going to say, like, he could probably see, like, all right, Homelander's on the verge of losing it. Like, we got to mm-hmm. we gotta reel him back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and we need somebody who's going to be able to guide him yeah. in the direction we want him to go. And there's another member of the group that is specifically in the comics that that is supposed to be the check for Homelander. And uh, they, they go different places with the storyline. In the mm. show. Stormfront is is really interesting, and also the fact played by Anya Cash, who is oh, yeah. a Jewish woman, mm-hmm. uh, I think is also uh, a layer mm. to <laughs> to delve into because I know that as once they had made that change, it was kind of exciting for me because it's like, oh, this is. I have no idea. Like, mm-hmm, what's right. happening? What are they going to do with this character? What's going to be the origin? How how are they going to change this? And I was really, really pleased with how well they just blended things. I, I think it just speaks to the quality of the writing. Um, and again, why I cannot be mad at the big changes that I see because... I was like, wow, they really they really did think through this change from top to bottom and mm-hmm. how to to make it mean something. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anaya Cash is just fantastic in this role too. Like, you know, as much as I hate Stormfront, she's always a delight to watch because she's always she's so dynamic and she's so interesting. Um and you know. I want to talk about Mr. Edgar too, because we've been talking about Vought and I think Madeline really was kind of the face of Vought on internally, like on the show, whereas Homelander is the face to the public, but like, and this year or this season, we have Mr. Edgar, which is a whole nother level. And as much as I loved Madeline, I think I might actually prefer Mr. Edgar because he's so interesting. Yeah. Um, Not at all stupid very very calculated and very scary but also 
like a really complicated character. Nicole, what do you think about Mr. Edgar? I I agree. I think he's very, very complicated, but also very intelligent. Mm-hmm. I like that we're really focusing in on people who know how to play people who are at the top. Because mm-hmm. I think that they're, especially Mr. Edgar's thinking strategy and placement and control. Mm-hmm. And so he's not only having to think about that within, like, how do I control these soups? Mm-hmm. But also, how do I continue to, like, build up this company and build, like, build these little ways for us to get in and take over these uh, governmental uh, infrastructures and things like that. I like him. I think he's um, just kind of like this. I really like a low-key villain. Someone mm-hmm. that that isn't always putting their full hand of cards on the table at every turn. I like knowing that there can be some twists and turns with them because they're they're playing it a little bit to the chest and and I think that he does that you know that he's maniacal but Mm -hmm. the fact that you're like okay how far is he gonna push this thing where is he gonna go Mm -hmm. is quite exciting yeah I'm fascinated to see what happens like the fallout that's gonna happen between Homelander and Mr. Edgar because of that Mm. choice and that deal that he makes with Butcher you know Mm -hmm. and then Homelander realizes like oh wait you know they've turned on me and like Clearly, that was Edgar's decision to make. Yeah. And so it's just like, ooh, you know, it's yeah. just ugh, afterwards, now that Stormfront's gone. Mm-hmm. They don't have a check. Yeah. Where that's going to put them together. That's and it's so interesting good. to think about Mr. Edgar, too, because, like, in a way, like, we've talked about feeling like we don't really know what Homelander actually believes. He kind of just goes, I don't flows think with the he river. knows. <laughs> I don't think he knows either. He, he feels like, like there's a hollow core inside of him and he just kind of latches on to the next opportunity. And I feel like there are shades of that with Mr. Edgar too. Like, I don't know if I really believe that he is evil. I think he is just so pragmatic yeah, and... I think he's focused and savvy. And mm-hmm. like, because he says that thing about like, yeah, he knows Stormfront's a Nazi, but he has an end goal in mind. And if that's right. what it takes yeah. to get there, I'm going to let it slide. And it's like, oh, yeah. you're going to let, let racism and okay, <laughs> you know, that's right. a choice. Um, mm-hmm. But he's so focused, I think, on the on the bigger picture of what he's trying to achieve, which I don't yeah. really know, but yeah, other than stock prices, but. Well, and that's the thing. I think like that is what his ultimate goal is, is just keeping power for himself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is ultimately like an evil force in the world. And it's definitely been an evil force in this universe. But I also think like, if like it benefits him to help Butcher get Ryan back. And so he does this, what I think we might be able to call a good thing because he doesn't really care. He, he just doesn't, wants yeah. to, you know, he he wants to keep grabbing the next opportunity that is going to benefit him. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, he is coming from a completely different place that Homelander is. He has had to, he doesn't have superpowers. He has had to really lean on this pragmatic skill and take those opportunities where he found them in order to get where he has gotten. And it just, I think after a certain point, you stop caring about the people that you're hurting. 
enough to, for it to matter, you know? You know what I just realized? I think Homelander and the Deep are actually similar in a lot of ways. Well, let's talk about the Deep. Yeah. Man, our, our, our favorite himbo. Uh, So, okay. So tell me about Homelander and the Deep. Well, neither you one mean of them. They're us. both super dreamy, and well, I, they're both super dreamy. <laughs> my problematic both, crushes. They're both incredibly insecure for different mm-hmm. reasons. I think you know. I think the deep is very insecure about his his body, and his powers, right, which are part of his body and something he can't control. So I think he's really insecure about that. Where Homelander is just you know, just needs love and his upbringing and how he was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither one of them, I think, really have a belief system and are just waiting for something to fill that like just to step in and be like this is what you believe see yeah this mm-hmm. and ultimately it's just something that makes them feel better mm-hmm. and we see that with the church right the church steps in and is like you deserve better you deserve to be back in the seven like we can help you do this oh you need to like go on an apology tour you need we're gonna find you a wife and suddenly mm-hmm. he's feeling better and like yes this is what i'm gonna do and it's like, no, they're just taking advantage of you and using you, but it's filling that gap, that, you know, yeah. that hole in their heart right for that moment. And that's, that's the same thing that happens to Homelander. But yet they're like, they like hate each other. <laughs> right. Just, well, maybe like sees like, you know, yeah. and they're like, hey, you know my game. And I think that yeah. is the difference between those two and Mr. Edgar, because Mr. Edgar he doesn't have that gap in the middle. He may pretend mm-hmm. to have that gap when he needs to, but like he doesn't want to align himself. He wants to build the thing mm-hmm. and and become the thing. And it just doesn't really matter to him what the thing is as long as he has power over it, you know? Yeah. But Nicole, what do you think about the deep? I love that this season he goes very Tom Cruise and Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's such a journey for him. And I, yeah, I mean, he's despicable. They all are. They all do despicable things. Mm-hmm. And, but yet, I think there's also, I think that Homelander has just this rawness to him that will just kind of like unlock and unleash this kind of rage mm-hmm. in him that I don't think the deep necessarily has. Um, yeah. I think that he just really wants to be part, like I think they both want acceptance mm-hmm. and they both want to feel cared for and as though they are important but i don't i don't think that deep is as interested in making sure there's a body count uh no i agree to that for him i think that and i don't know like seeing the wife auditions and him going through all of that it's just it was wild he's so beautiful and so stupid and (laughs) He really is one of like, just like I how how has he survived? He's a he, he's, he's survived because he's hot and he has superpowers. Yep, I'm yeah, not but gonna lie to those. <laughs> but if you met a guy, come on, if you met a guy who could talk to animals, are you telling me you wouldn't be interested? 
You would make all my Lisa Frank dolphin dreams come true, you know? <laughs> I w- yes. Like I would Although be you like... would probably end up killing the dolphins somehow. But I know. That's the thing. It's like you could only like be with him for so long and then you're like, oh my God, don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm too threatened. It would be like, no, you're going to find like this animal, like the squirrels in the backyard. You're going to find them too interesting. <laughs> and I can't. He's going to leave you for, for, for a, squirrel. a squirrel. And I was like, I can't. That's not for me. Yeah. Um, but no, I I don't know. It's like, I, but I was talking about um, this season with a friend. And someone's like, you know, the season really kind of almost makes you feel just a ton of sympathy for him. Because he just is so desperate to find a place for himself. But it turns it by the end. That's what I thought was like so great is because by the end of it, you see him like flip on a train and get super pissed off when like they they're like, no, a train, it's your turn to go back up. And it's like Mm -hmm. you realize that like he actually doesn't believe in any of this he hasn't really changed he's just been going along because it's gonna they you know it's gonna get him what he wants and it's like haha he's not good (laughs) exactly exactly but that's but i still think that you know i was uh, talking to a friend about this and they're like yeah you kind of feel bad because he's obviously really desperate just to feel that acceptance i'm like do you remember first season Mm-hmm. And like his initial encounter with Starlight, like, yeah, I'm not losing sleep yeah. about it. Like, like we can't. This is not for us to shed tears. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, the whole it it's the deep is is interesting, and I it is kind of fun to see kind of this undercurrent like battle between him and a train over like we must be let back in who is going to be the victor Mm -hmm. well and i do want to talk about a train i dying to talk about him because i love this season for him but i i think the thing that is most interesting to me about the deep aside from the fact that he's hilarious and he's hot Mm -hmm. um is this idea of redemption you know like he has he does start like the season or the the show off doing this really awful thing and I think it is just kind of a study in like it kind of what we were talking about with Homelander like where is the line between someone not being reachable anymore and where is because when you get quote unquote canceled you don't die you don't mm-hmm. cease to exist you your life keeps going and you keep trying to get in and I think it's what is what I do feel sad for him in this season is I do think he has a moment where he is open to changing and open to getting help and he just happens to find this this organization that exploits that you know and I mean you know again Starlight deserves my sympathy in this whole situation but I do think that there that is a moment where he could have changed and it does show this whole kind of the shallowness of these apologies and like well I know all the words to say now so I should get back into the seven and I I have some women who like me and that's enough right um 
But there, I will say, there are some moments in season three with the deep, two in particular, that I fucking cannot wait to talk about. I'm going, I've been <laughs> dying to get there. We're almost there. Um, but let's talk about A-Train because another moment that I was dying to get to is when A-Train finally makes it onto our bad boys or our Spice Girls list. I have him in the bad boys category right now. And so I guess my question is, does he still deserve to be there or can we officially move him to Spice Girls, at least for now? Nicole, what do you think? I mean, iffy, but I feel like you could make the argument that his, like his journey of redemption um, at this point uh, is a little bit more rooted in genuine, like, I really have messed up mm -hmm. and I am like feeling the repercussions of this in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm losing support system. I'm losing you know, he's injured, I'm losing abilities to function as is my calling. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I feel that yeah, this season is so interesting for him. And I, I'm hesitant to say that we go Spice Girls, but if there was like an intermediate like you're in training mm -hmm. you're in a reality show to potentially be accepted upon like the <laughs> spice girl fold mm -hmm. um i could see an argument for that yeah it's it's funny because like yeah i i never know where i stand with a train but i do i do really like what we see at the end i think that a train he gets humbled a lot and i also think yeah. that he I mean, basically, he gets clean a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. for so much of last season and early in this season, he was addicted to to V. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously coloring every decision, every interaction, like it was coloring everything that he was doing. And so once he kind of pulls himself out of that, I think he's able to see things differently. And while he a lot of, I mean, his addiction and his use of V was, you know, rooted in the same issues that he has when he's clean is, you know, concern about his body and concern about his abilities and losing those, like those are very real concerns. But I think we see him thinking about it differently and that is going to change some of his decisions. I also think that he's able to see clearly that like what Starlight and Huey and like what they're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think he understands it a little bit differently and is seeing it less as a threat because it's, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, ultimately it's because of him that they're able to, they get this information on Stormfront and they're able to take it down. And it, while it's, I don't know if he deserves to be totally in the Spice Girls just because the motivations there, it wasn't mm -hmm. an altruistic act like, oh, this woman is a Nazi. I'm going to expose her. It's oh, this woman yeah. is a Nazi, I'm going to expose her so I can get back in the seven. Yeah. So it's still like rooted in his selfish motivations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think he's still in limbo for me. Yeah. I like the direction he's heading though, where, you know, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's, you know, 
going to be like hanging out with the boys anytime soon. Holy Spice Girls worthy. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I could see him down the road becoming Mr. Edgar, you know, because it was a very pragmatic decision to turn Mm -hmm. Stormfront in. It just happened to work out in our favor and something good happening because of it. But I also, we've seen him do things that were not good because it benefited him as well. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do think he's really, he's a really interesting character. One of my favorites, and I do think he has a lot more in common, I think with Huey and Starlight, just kind of really trying to find their place, trying to find where the power actually comes from and, you know, who they are with and without this power also. But yeah, he's, he's lost just about as much as he can lose and to see him still keep going, I think is is admirable to me, even though he's not always doing things that I like. Well, another character that I think would be on the bridge between Spice Girls and uh, Bad Boys. I don't have a whole lot to say about Ashley, but I just love her. So she goes much. I'm so I'm concerned about Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that we get some moments of levity with her, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, she's losing her hair. She's, oh, I yeah. just, I'm worried about her. She needs some help. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you need to find a new job. This is never going to turn out good for you. It's not worth it, girl. Yeah. Whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. <laughs> Nicole, how do you feel about Ashley? I, she's something else. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that, yeah, she's levity and, Although she is completely, again, I don't think that there's necessarily a single character, even characters that I think come from such, I I think, an honestly good place. They all have to do kind of really messed up, fucked up things and and Mm -hmm. make these really rough choices. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's, I think, in that. Um, but yeah, it's so rough just seeing her kind of like slowly ripping out her hair. And that's something that's in the comics. The character is not oh, really? named uh, Ashley, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, ooh, it's very visceral because as someone with really long hair and mm-hmm. someone that plays with it, I've had really stressful days where I will literally look and I'll have like a handful of hair just from like yanking yeah yeah i mean the worst first day and i just imagine how excited she was to get this job you know and then just to have it just crash and burn just immediately exactly yeah like in the worst possible way but what what can you do you know yeah and i i do think it's interesting that she hasn't quit you know i i think that tells us something about her as well that she does continue to hang on and she is she does stand up to a train when uh she fires him and but she also has this moment with Maeve in the last episode where she it seems like there is some humanity in her too so i'm you know i, I just feel for her but also love every time she shows up because i know yeah. something funny she's gonna yell at a door that hasn't opened yet or you know something <laughs> something delightful is gonna happen well, I want to talk about one more character, and this is another one that I have a question next to because I don't know, I don't know where we feel about putting her on the uh, Bad Boys versus Spice Girls list. This is Victoria Newman. So, Rachel, how are you feeling about this character? I know we don't know very much about her, but we just found out that she is the head popper. 
I know. TBD. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly she's she's been killing some people and keeping her suit power as a secret. So that's quite interesting. I mean, I'm hoping it's kind of like, you know, she's like, all right, we're going to fuck shit up from the inside. Like, I mm. kind of like that if she's a soup working, I don't know, for the greater good. I don't know, just mm. to, or to at least, not even the greater good, but just to kind of keep Vought in check in some mm-hmm. way. And I, I like her presence and just knowing that she has these powers because it just goes to show and we know this right like not all soups are superheroes like in the seven and not all mm-hmm. soups are we i mean we've talked about this it's like what are they what else are they doing you know right. like mesmer you know they're just mm-hmm. it's there's like all these yeah. other soups that exist out there but they're not necessarily in the seven mm-hmm. and just like what could that mean yeah i don't know i'm not convinced she's a bad person yet but i guess we'll see i don't know what her motivations are yeah so Nicole, what do you think? So, again, this is a, I would say, a fairly substantial change from mm. the comic. So, the character that Victoria is based on is Victor, human. Ooh. Or Vic the Veep. And way to go, gender swapping to diversify up this cast. Nice job. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't, I don't want to say the fate. Mm-hmm. of the character definitely again some threads that are similar and it's been a while since i've read the comics like vic the veep doesn't have superpowers oh, really just a puppet just a puppet Ooh. of voice so i want to say that yeah i was really surprised when uh the character uh, was gender switched uh, because like, all right, what are they going to do here? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when she actually has powers, um, I was like, ooh, this is very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah she's cool. very uh, AOC coded, you know, and I think that, you know, is kind of that, that like social right. commentary that I love. Well, and I think that Victor Beep is very much, uh, I think, in his story like he's not very smart he's not very like savvy in terms of like political prowess and so it is interesting to have someone that i think has a little bit more of that spark to them Mm -hmm. they know how to kind of play a certain uh game so i'm yeah very very much on board um, I think that she's kind of awful in a lot of ways, but I think mm-hmm. awful in ways that a lot of these characters are in that they have some pretty tragic backstory and, you know, what constantly has us asking that question of what is nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to find out more about Victoria in the next season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, you know, I always just love having another female villain around too, yeah. you know, and you know, she's got to be pretty savvy to have gotten as far as she has without revealing this power, you know, and yeah. to kill all of those people in the congressional hearing without anybody catching on that she <laughs> might have superpowers. <laughs> of course, I guess if somebody started to give her a side eye, she just pop their head, you know, 
Yeah, if they're under. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of some spicy girls, let's move into our next category, which is the Spice Girls. Um, and this is where we talk about our heroes and uh, and the boys. And I we we're not going to talk about every single character in this category because we're going to talk about quite a few of them in good or good versus evil. But let's start with Butcher because he I said Homelander kicks it off, but Butcher is absent for most of the first episode. And I think we really kind of feel this vacuum of him with the boys. And then he he has one of the, I think, the biggest emotional journeys of the season because he realizes that Becca has been alive this whole time and that she has a son with his enemy. And so just to see him kind of go full circle of like trying to leave the boys at one point and then wanting to probably kill Ryan or wanting to turn him over then to wanting to save him, to losing Becca, to gaining Becca, to losing her again. It's just... It's a lot. So how are we feeling about Butcher by the end of season two? Butcher is I I if I was Butcher's friend, I would be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this, yeah, like you said, like Butcher goes, he I mean he goes through it this season. But I also it's just such a contrast to how focused he was, the butcher that we meet in season one, mm-hmm. who had kind of just like this, like, all right. I know what I'm doing. Find Becca. Mm-hmm. Buck all soups. Kill all soups. Like just very kind of narrow-minded mm-hmm. about what his goal and his mission was. And then we see that kind of broaden in season two. But he's just kind of, I think he's a little aimless because mm-hmm. it's like things are changing faster than he can kind of like come to grips with how he feels about. It's yeah. Like, oh, oh, she's alive. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's one thing. Oh, wait, she has a son. Oh, fuck with Homelander. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So how do I feel about that? Okay, now I've changed how I feel about that. And now oh wait, now she's dead. Okay, now I have this kid. It's just and then the whole th- weird thing with his dad that I wasn't a real fan of and something with his brother. I feel like this wasn't necessarily the most satisfying season for Butcher. Mm. Not that I'm mad about it. I think that it's totally fine and it's good for his, you know, his character to kind of be figuring some of this stuff out because I'm excited to see where it goes, but mm-hmm. not not sure, I guess, <laughs> how I'm feeling about him because I don't think we really know how he's feeling about himself at this point. Yeah, like I've always kind of thought of him as a loose cannon and Corey and I joke about, oh, he's a real loose cannon with, <laughs> you know, all kind of like wild card characters. But I feel like with the first season, like, because he thought Becca was dead, like there wasn't really a time component. And so he was able to really shut off all of his emotions except for anger. And mm-hmm. here it's like once these emotions come in, he just can't handle it. And he yeah. just kind of starts spiraling and being really reckless and putting everybody in danger. Not that he hasn't ever been reckless before, but it just kind of spiraling is what this season feels like to me. But Nicole, what do you how do you feel about Butcher just overall? I like him. I think that he is someone who is guided in a good way. I like mm-hmm. him and Huey's relationship. You know, yeah. Huey is his canary, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, maybe not the nicest thing because canary in the coal mine, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he, yeah, it, it, 
I don't know. I see a lot of parallels between him and Homelander, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about family and how that's something that they want. They want that family life. They want love. And um, I love what you said about all of this happening in such a quick succession that Butcher can't really piece it all together. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that does help set up more of where he starts to make some different choices later down the line. But mm -hmm. um, I like him. I, I mean, he's he's a ball of charm, I think, yeah. too. Like, he's he's a little bit reckless. And by a little bit, I mean very much a lot. <laughs> um, but I you understand the moves that he's making and mm -hmm. you have sympathy for him and like how how do you navigate knowing that the person that you thought was dead that you were in love with and wanted to build a life with is alive has a child through assault essentially mm -hmm. with your arch enemy mm -hmm. and like no one can deal with that yeah. yeah someone like butcher mm -hmm. I, I do appreciate how because of this spiral that he's going through and i do i do like how he kind of i think takes a second to actually look at the people around him and is mm -hmm. i think genuinely grateful for them and actually starts to open you know his heart up to these people a little bit like with huey and even with Starlight, like he's begins to soften. And I think even when it comes to like Frenchie and MM, like he's starting to actually like be like, okay, these are my friends. Like I care about them and they care about me because we see him make some decisions where like maybe in season one he wouldn't have because he was like so focused and single minded about his mission that mm -hmm. he, whether or not he was actually that person, he wasn't opening himself up to those friendships. And then here, I think we kind of actually be like, okay, it's okay. Like I have this team and like, I'm, I'm not going to be scared to let them in a little bit. And we, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to Becca, I mean, they meet her for the first time and stuff. It's like, he's actually letting them into his life in a different way. And so that mm -hmm. is a development that is, it's, it, you know, makes me happy to see that yeah. he's, he can accept their love. <laughs> Yeah, and he's still so rough around the edges, but yeah, I think he, I like when he and Annie bond, you know, yeah. just a little bit. Um, speaking of the people around him, because I think one of the things he realizes this season, and it is a really painful realization, is that like, you know, maybe the boys are his family and Becca was his family, but not anymore. And, right. you know, he's got to let that go, but he does have people that care about him. Um, and speaking of those people, and I want to talk about MM because I feel like he is always kind of just that silent, steady one. He doesn't get the big moments. He doesn't, but he is always there. He's one of my favorite mm -hmm. characters, but he's easy to, it's easy to get lost in all of these like over the top characters. And I like that we get a little more backstory for him this season. You know, we find out he has OCD, which is, you know, again, something that I've talked about a lot. But we also find out 
kind of his origin story. It doesn't feel like he was ever really a criminal that was radicalized, like, and I mean, radicalized for, to the boys like Frenchie, or he didn't have this like huge tragedy, like butcher. He has just kind of, this is who he is. This is what the family that he has grown up in. And, you know, to see him leave, have to leave his family behind also and building these dollhouses and just kind of trying to stay connected to this memory of his daughter. Um, what do we think about M.M. this season? I really like him. I know we do. And again, he's, I, you're exactly right. I love the way that you kind of talked about him being one of the more quieter characters mm-hmm. in terms of having like these really big over the top sequences. I think his desperate want to have a relationship with his family and with his daughter it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that that to me is really a through line for this season is like this pursuit of family, mm-hmm. this real desire and hunt for that acceptance in that sense of like, this is who I belong with. And yeah, I, I agree. Like he is that steady um, presence and always with some really great representation across mm-hmm. his t-shirt collection which mm-hmm. i love yeah i he's it, it's hard not to to like him yeah i i loved getting that bit about his backstory because it makes so much more sense because like you said it's like why is he why is he here mm-hmm. you know like especially when it comes to losing his family. Like, why is he like, we didn't understand his motivation for wanting to be a part of this. Cause he seemed like he had a decent job. Like he has mm-hmm. this great family, like kind of confused why he's giving some of that up. Mm-hmm. And then when we learn that backstory and you kind of put it together, maybe with some of his obsessive compulsive issues, it's like, he feels maybe obligated to finish this thing that his dad was so invested in. Mm-hmm. And like, I have to see this through even if the end is unclear like Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't think he actually knows like what the end point would be that he would feel okay i've completed this task Mm -hmm. who knows what like i don't know but because it's connected to his dad it's like some sort of driving force some sort of obligation that he feels like he has to complete Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay that makes so much more sense why this character is here because, yeah, because his daughter and his family is so sweet. And especially in that flashback with Lamplighter, we see him so excited to get married and all of mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I I love his character here. And I'm curious to see how that develops. Because it feels like at any point he could be like, all right, guys, I'm good. I got to go. Yeah. Not that I'll be happy to see that. But he seems like the one that could leave and actually lead a completely normal life and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> And it's interesting because I completely agree with you. I think he is the one that could walk away and still have something to go back to. Yeah. But I also think he is maybe the least likely to actually leave because he is just so supportive and almost to to a fault because he, you know, he's leaving his family behind. Although I guess if this is a continuation of the family he grew up in then he's not really he's like he this is a way that he can stay with his his family that's not with him anymore um but I just I love him so much I want to see more of him 
Um, and I just appreciate, I love to see him bond with Annie too. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. like they have a lot in common and I think they kind of both really respect each other, like the strength that each other kind of provides for, for Huey and just for everybody else. Um, it's like the only person that can keep butcher in check too. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I think Huey is trying, it's like, he's not the canary. He is the check, you know, mm-hmm. cause Huey, I do think is the canary, but MM is almost coming at it from another direction because I don't think MM is afraid of butcher in no. a way that I think Huey still kind of is. Yeah. And we are going to talk about Huey and we are going to talk about Frenchie, um, probably in our next category, but I want to talk about Kamiko because she has a big season too. I think she, when she's not ripping people's faces off, like, Oh my God, it's so cool. Oh my God. It is like, and it's just a tiny little moment in the season, but it's her fucking ripping somebody's face off. Yeah. And I just, but she goes through it too. Like she loses her last connection to the rest of the world too, outside of the boys. Nicole, how do you feel about Kamiko? Yeah, this is a really intense I think kind of arc for her mm-hmm. story and she is just kind of this um I mean it's we see her go through so much just from season 1 mm-hmm. and never really knowing like what her character can and will be capable of um and where they may turn mm-hmm. but I think knowing that yeah, she lost her, her brother. I guess we get a little bit of like a, a sigh with her when she's mm-hmm. able to join in the battle at the end mm-hmm. um, and do some real damage, which is echoed in the comics. So that made me very happy. But it's just, yeah, she's. She's really, I think, interesting. And also from a disability standpoint, mm-hmm. she doesn't speak. And I love how she communicates and the relationship that she has with Frenchie. I love seeing that evolve in a slightly different way mm-hmm. than some of the other relationships that we've talked about. Again, now I think she's also very much part of this group of folks that are really trying to find now, like, who and where do I belong to and with mm-hmm. what's like, what is going to keep me safe and comfortable mm-hmm. now? Um, yeah, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. It, it feels like Kamiko really goes on like a journey of self-acceptance in this season. Mm-hmm. You know, we see her like so scared and timid at, in the beginning. And then we see her get, you know, especially like with her brother, I feel like it's like, oh yeah, this is who I am again. Mm-hmm. And she, but then when she loses him, that whole sense of like anger and how she gets, you know, she just hires herself out as an assassin. It's like she almost like hates who she is. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she, she, and then with Stormfront, she's got a little bit of PTSD about that. It feels like, I don't know if that's, actually what it is but some sort of anxiety around Mm -hmm. stormfront and confronting her and then once she's able to finally do that and move forward with frenchie it's like i finally feel like at the end it's like okay we have kamiko and kamiko's okay with Mm kamiko and we start to see them you know 
we hear she makes a little bit of vocalizations and we start yeah. to hear, see her like communicate more and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, finally. And I just, I just appreciate how messy that journey is mm-hmm. because it's like, <laughs> like, I'm sure I don't know. I can speak for myself. It's like, it would be great to find someday, like realize and be comfortable with like, okay, this is who I am. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, it's a journey. It's so relatable. And so sometimes it's super messy. And I really yeah. think that she embodies that in a lot of different ways. Um, but it feels like she ends in a really good and powerful place. Mm-hmm. What is that thing that she has like her on her rings? Does it say bossy? Bossy, bossy yes. Yeah, I hope she kept that part, though, because that's pretty funny. (laughs) That is hilarious and just makes me love her so much. And it's so interesting to think about her because I think about moments when her brother, when she was talking to her brother and she was saying they, you know, why do you stay with them? And she was saying they protect me and they're looking at her as a protector, too. So it's just so interesting to see that kind of back and forth of her feeling weak even though she is like the physically strongest the strongest one, the one. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and I think she finally I think a big part of it I said we were going to talk about Frenchie later but like a big part of it is Frenchie kind of seeing her as somebody who doesn't need his help anymore either and they can kind of exist as equals too and so that helps her kind of see herself as as strong but also that she has support and that there can be a difference between support and protection and like leaning on someone and hiding behind them you know yeah and like I don't like seeing them get mad at each other obviously and kind of Mm -hmm. but it's like I almost think that's what she needed I think so too because it's like she was almost leaning on him and how much Mm -hmm. he cared about her and yeah. then it wasn't until he's like, you know what, go fuck yourself that she's like, fine. And then she gets really, yeah. you know, she goes off on a little like assassin bender. But yeah. it's like, I think she kind of needed that to realize like how strong she actually is and that she doesn't need Frenchie, but can want Frenchie and that those are two different things. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you've been in a relationship long enough to get mad at the other person, that's when you know. You know, there's, there's real feelings there and, and, you know, it could be something real, even though they are just friends right now, even though they want to go dancing and I, I ship them, but all right, well, let's, I got one more person on our Spice Girls list. Uh, I want to talk about Maeve because whoo, talk about another character that goes through it. Nicole, tell me how you feel about Maeve. God damn it. Um, (laughs) I mean, oh, so yeah, just the fact that she she really is just kind of hung out to dry mm-hmm. in the season and everything from like the forced outing by Homelander, which is so fucking in character for him. Uh-huh. Um, like, and that's the nicest thing that that asshole has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still really awful. But from the get-go, she's always been someone that's had a lot of layers that we've been able to, I think, get glimpses of. And I think her, the relationship that she's trying to hide, I think also kind of, you know, not hiding it and then it becoming something that she doesn't want mm-hmm. um, because it just becomes a, a piece of marketing, yeah. um, which is disgusting in a lot of ways. You know, she's also kind of mistreated by, I think, also, I I say mistreated, but 
you know, just like A Train and Deep, she's kind of like in this rotating, like, we don't need you to be part of this group. Mm -hmm. um, we only want you part of this group in when and if you can prove that you're going to bring something mm -hmm. um, to us. And so, yeah, it's, it's rough, but yeah, she also has some really powerful moments mm -hmm. in this season as well. So I, yeah, she's just really dynamic and I love seeing a character that you also as a superhero, kind of like Starlight, you see her in these very casual moments too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think those moments are really interesting because it shows a different level of interaction that she has with folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Ma Maeve to me is like probably like the most tragic character here so yeah. far, just cause it's like, like every part of her, it feels like is been taken advantage of mm -hmm. or violated in some way. It's like, you know, not just how homelander treats her but like yeah her her sexuality is weaponized against her or like you know used anyways and just like her i mean everything about her life is just used by vought for whatever purpose they want and it's just and she's been in it for so long that you just see that effect that's had on her mm -hmm. and just like every time she starts to pick herself up and it's like all right I'm going to fight back against this. And you see her kind of start to muster up some energy to do that. Just something else kicks her back down. And it's just mm -hmm. like so sad. Um, so I'm just really holding out hope for her that she's able to, I don't know, just get some sort of, some sort of win. Yeah. Because, you know, she's put out there and we see that in the first season, how Starlight is like, I looked up to you, like I idolized you and how she's just like, well, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. That was all. Yeah. You know, and that's just so sad. I and mean, it's sad then and it's sad now. And she loses her girlfriend and she has her own lasagna, but like, whatever. <laughs> like, what does that uh -huh. mean at the end of the day? Brave so made lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. But. I like that we still see some hope. She shows up at the end. She does show up from for, with, for Starlight, even though she turns her down when they come, you know, kind of begging for her help. So it feels like, there, you know, there's still hope there. She's not yeah. completely lost. And I think that if she's able to pull herself out of this or able to, I don't know, deal with it in maybe a different way, that could be really cool and i want to see that i want to see that side of mave because i don't yeah. think we have yet and it's like all right we're two seasons in like i want to go somewhere with this character because i feel like we've just kind of been spinning our wheels a little bit mm -hmm. here with her yeah which feels like probably how she has felt for years it's totally like, what do i do i'm just I'm fine i'm just gonna sit here and i'll say whatever and yeah. i'll kind of casually walk up and take out the bad guys um, but she is like, especially in the last two episodes and three different occasions, she saves the boys. Like they would mm -hmm. probably all be dead if it weren't for her. And I think like we talk a lot about like the appearance of heroes versus like actual heroic acts. Yeah. And I think this shows like how hard it can be to actually stand up for what, what is right, you know, and it's easy for us to say like, this is the right thing to do. And, you know, you, you know, and I'm talking about like larger in like l real life, like 
you should stand up for people. You should, you know, um, speak up. But I think Maeve shows how hard it can be to do that, but also how critical it can be in the right moments because like she saves Annie with a black noir, she saves, um, she saves them all by finally pulling out that video when Homelander is, I think she is the turning point that makes him just kind of give up. Mm -hmm. And then she comes in at the last moment and joins the best fight I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And if not for her, then they would have all. And I think if she had maybe joined the boys before, like, I don't know if she would have been there in those moments. So it's almost like she, she waited until she couldn't wait anymore. And then finally was able to find the hero that she used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of heroes, let's move into our next category, which is good versus evil. And I want to start with Lamplighter and Frenchie here. Um, One, because they're both super hot and I was so excited to see Sean Ashmore. But two, I think that they are kind of like a, in a snow globe version of Homelander and Butcher. You know, it's like this the soup and this boy, and they've got this history with each other. And it's not the same thing. And I don't want to minimize anything that anybody has gone through, but it's like they've got this vendetta. And what happened with both of them has completely changed their lives. And they finally get this moment of closure. And it seems to help both of them at least release something you know and lamplighter obviously takes you know he dies by suicide but he seems to have found at least a little bit of peace with what happened um nicole how do you feel about both of these characters and their their arc over this season yeah i i talked a little bit about frenchy i i feel that we do get moments of him showing some different kind of layers to him not necessarily just kind of being like an orchestrator of some of the deeds of Mm -hmm. the boys but really being that I think uh support system as well Lamplighter is interesting because again we've talked a little bit about the redemption arc um narrative in the season and I'm interested to see to hear how you guys feel about like do we feel that he takes some kind of redemption journey based on some of the things that he had done in his past and how does that compare to some of the others that we've already talked about yeah it's like yeah I don't know if I see him like redeeming himself Mm mm-hmm it seems like afterwards he kind of goes into hiding at this like Sage Grove Center. And it's like he's been just like punishing himself like, oh, this is what I am. Like, I'm a killer. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to continue to do this. And it's not until he's able to, you know, have that confrontation, I think, with Grace and Frenchie mm-hmm. and just kind of like they all all everything kind of comes out in the open. Like it's it allows him to release that a little bit, I think. Mm hmm. But so I guess in that way, it's redeeming because it's like, oh, you realize like what happened and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, it's not what we thought. So that's redeeming. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, clearly he's still not comfortable or, you know, because he kills himself. Yeah. Clearly he wasn't like, it wasn't as redeeming or cathartic 
for him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that probably the right word, not redemption arc, but that closure, that yeah. coming to terms with something in yeah. the past that you can reconcile. A reconciliation, I guess, of sorts, mm-hmm. to where it's like, I did some horrible things. I've now tried to make my penance for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unlike... I think some of the other characters who do find this, like, okay, I've done this and now I can carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't. Yeah. He yeah. just is like, no, that that's still not, like, that closure is closure, but that closure is not closed. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it becomes the end, you know? Yeah. It's like, I... I have released this, but I don't know how to continue on after releasing it because I don't have anything else. And it's interesting, you know, I wish that we could see him interact with some of the seven, you know, because, you know, Starlight takes his place. So theoretically, like he was in the seven with with Maeve. And I'm thinking specifically about Maeve because when we see him in that flashback, he does not look happy. He's not like twirling his mustache. He's not like translucent, kind of giving him all shit. You know, he's, he does not seem happy. Now he's also being blackmailed. So that could be part of it. But like, I wonder how much he has been kind of pushed around by Vought too, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if he was more like kind of an A-train running the compound V it's like, this is, he just kind of fell into something and didn't know how to get himself out of it. And I wonder if that's where all of this, like shame, I don't know if self-loathing is exactly how I want to say it, but just like all this pain comes from and the reason he feels like he needs to punish himself. Cause I do feel like there is a good person in there somewhere. And I think we just don't really know that much about him, you know, and what he was like before this, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I think Frenchie shows kind of the other side of it where it's like he's finally able to get this the secret that he's been carrying this whole time, like out in the mm-hmm. open and release that and talk mm-hmm. about his friend who, you know, that's why he wasn't there. And like this, you know, he's been friends with these people, you know, specifically like Butcher and Grace and MM for mm-hmm. how long now? And he's never told them that. And by finally getting it out in the open... And they're finally able to accept it. And especially MM is like, dude, why didn't you? T-? Like, we would have understood. And just mm-hmm. like having, seeing their reaction and their acceptance of him, I think he's able to finally be like, okay. Like, he gets closure in a much different way. It's like they both mm-hmm. get closure and they're, you know, because they're tied together by this event that they kind of became involved with accidentally together. Mm-hmm. But you see the two different ways kind of of handling that where it seems like Frenchie is like, we're going to we're going to get a new Frenchie, I would imagine, in season three, because even the last episode, we're seeing him just like refreshed and invigorated, I think, in a different way. Like he's able to let go of that anger and that part that just thinks that he's a piece of shit. I think he's able to let go of that a little bit. Well, and I think one of the big differences there is that Frenchie has the boys and you know yeah lamplighter has nobody which, which sucks know? though because it's like i can almost see lamplighter like becoming one of them it's I like could they too. just like he just didn't and you know oh i was hoping ha- that was gonna happen yeah it's you like know? i guess you know that's what happens sometimes i guess you know right you yeah. never know like where somebody's at and it's just something that he's been feeling for so long without mm-hmm. that support system 
So mm-hmm. then it's just like, you know, he didn't, didn't see that for himself. But it's like, he totally, I think could have been. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's like so sad about his end. Yeah. Well, speaking of a sad end, let's talk about Becca and Ryan because this, oh, so sad at the end. So Becca, you know, we see her journey of, you know, becoming a, I don't know if I want to say reluctant mother, but it's not the life she planned, but she's given everything to this child and to see her kind of flirt with leaving him behind and ultimately not be able to do it. So she is, she is choosing Ryan over butcher and I don't have any judgment over that at all, but it's just, it, it breaks your heart to see her. And I think it's really easy for me to look at her as an element of butcher's story, but to look at her as, as her own piece of this puzzle and just what kind of a nightmare she must've been living for the past eight years, but finding a way to make the best of it and to raise a really, really great kid. Yeah. Her death is unbelievably, I think just a gut punch, Mm -hmm. especially given how it happens, Ryan's involvement and it's yeah like you said she's lived in she's lived a life that she didn't want to live for the last eight years and she's tried to I think reconcile and make the most of that you know again I think it also just then fuels more of that you know what's going to happen with Ryan Mm -hmm. going further but yeah and I don't know, it's very easy. And I would love both of your kind of takes on this, but it was something that really struck me in rewatching it. We often talk about like the whole fridge situation where um, a partner, a spouse of this male character um is killed as just fuel to the plot Mm -hmm. to kind of be that instigator for their next set of actions. Mm -hmm. But because Becca is so dynamic and interesting and she does have kind of these, these things that are going on in her own world and we're allowed to explore that a little bit. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like her death is just going to be fuel to um, anyone's fire going for further or like that it's it that's its only purpose mm-hmm. and i don't know like that i was happy that it was executed no pun intended in that way but <laughs> mm-hmm. it was also just made it even heavier because it's like ugh, she has not had an easy life and to go out this way is brutal mm-hmm yeah, it's it's super interesting thinking about, yeah, like you were saying, like her death is like this motivation because it's like, well, that was season one. Yeah, yeah. And then we find out, okay, not dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like now that Butcher, I mean, can't deny it now, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, she's dead. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, what do you what do you do with that? I mean, I think it was the not knowing before, mm-hmm. like everybody around him was telling them, you know, telling him like, she's gone, she's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was choosing not to believe that. But now that he knows it's not going to be the same motivation, especially now with Ryan. But I, I do like that 
while she was kind of a singular motivation for Butcher, you know, Becca, her motivations were, it wasn't reciprocated in the same way, but, but, but I like that, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not like Butcher wasn't her end all be all. Like she was willing to, even though he, you know, comes in and proves like, I've been looking for you this whole time. Now Mm -hmm. we can go be together. And she's like, well, well, actually, no, like, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of like that because that, that to me feels, well, realistic. Like I would Mm -hmm. have to imagine, like, I'm not a mother, but I would have to imagine that ultimately if it comes down to like your kid that you've been raising for eight years Mm-hmm. or this dude that's like well, you can take care of yourself and he can't like I'm going to choose my child yeah like that's and I don't think that's something that I mean we we see that like Butcher is not really wanting to accept that <laughs> and yeah. is even willing to you know sacrifice Ryan which is not a good not a good look Butcher <laughs> yeah well that's the thing I think it kind of reveals some of the fallacy in what Butcher claims to want to do because he is you know the the mission of the boys i bet if they wrote it down on paper would be to rid the world of super or to save the world from bot you know mm-hmm. and but i think what it shows is that a lot of what he's doing is driven by anger and fear and this like love for becca rather than like this like lofty altruistic goal but becca is really driven by that she want because she can't leave ryan because she's afraid he'll turn out like homelander you know and so their goals are the same it's to make the world a better place that has soups existing in it and they're just kind of so she it's like well if i give up this goal then i am letting down humanity you know and you say you want to make the world a better place that's what I'm doing. It just can't include you in it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and there was, like, no no other fate. Like, I hate, I hate seeing her her die. And, like, I, yeah. her death is really tragic. But, like, ultimately, it's, like, I don't know what we could have expected from this, right? Like, she's right in the crosshairs, like, literally blood-related and legally related to like these two people like Mm -hmm. yeah it was never gonna end well for her even if they get out right even if butcher's plan succeeded they're just gonna let her go like this was never gonna end well like i don't yeah she was always going to be in the crossfire yeah between them and so yeah it's i mean i i guess in that way there's some complicated feelings with that but yeah it's I I don't know. I really, really liked her character this season. And just, I think she had really complicated choices to make. Yeah. And did the best that she could. And I love what you said about, you know, the fallacies of what Butcher is wanting kind of being exposed. Because again, that's kind of the similarity between him and Homelander, right? Like mm-hmm. Homelander is very much about these American ideals and wanting this family, and but we know that that's not really at the the core. And I think that I don't think that Butcher has necessarily the same evil intents as Homelander is that inclination. But you know, it's what are you willing to give up, and what's the most important thing in 
in life. And again, really ties in with that family journey and that sense of belonging, where I think also as much as Butcher had family with Becca, I think he's also recognized, like, I also have other supports as well. And how do I unpack all of this? What does this mean, especially if I have to take care of this kid as part of this as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there's two more characters that I want to talk about. And if you had asked me at the end of last season, which two characters I would be bringing up last, it would not be these two, <laughs> because I feel like last season was really the Starlight and Annie, the Starlight and Huey show for me. Like those were the relationships I was the most invested in. And it's not that I'm not invested in them this season. I just feel like they don't have the most dynamic arc and it could just be that I'm forgetting or like I'm forgetting the impact. Do y'all kind of get that feeling too, that Huey and Starlight are not the prominent characters of this season? It feels like to me, I mean, yes and no. Like it feels like to me, there was a lot of, mm, a lot of growth for both Huey and Starlight in the mm -hmm. first season. And here it feels like they're a bit more comfortable in that. Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like they're settling into those characters a bit more so in that way it doesn't feel as dramatic mm -hmm. I mean I like what we get I love what we get out of them because they mm -hmm. are more confident especially Starlight I feel like yeah. Starlight is way more confident you know sometimes she dips a little too low into like the darker side of that confidence but mm -hmm. I, I do think that um, like she is more aware of what she is and what mm -hmm. she believes in is and is finding like a piece in that yeah which i think she was struggling with a lot in the first season and i think huey through starlight and through some of his actions is able to let go of his grief from the first season and the guilt from the first season and to become like a really great sort of anti-hero mm -hmm. um anti-hero like literally like yeah anti-soup yeah, yeah. anti <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. but like in a really positive way um and kind of gain a confidence through that. So I think for them, it's like a confidence growth season. Yeah. Um, which maybe isn't quite as dramatic as some of the other characters. It almost feels more like a continuation of what yeah. we've already seen. And there's not a whole lot of Which change. is nice. You it know, is nice. Yeah. Especially like with some of our other major characters, it's so dramatic. It's kind of nice to have these two characters just kind of holds steady a little bit kind of like mm it's just like they're yeah. just gonna they're just gonna hold it down for a little bit and otherwise it would just feel too chaotic i think <laughs> yes i agree and i do think they are two of my favorite characters still yeah. nicole how do you feel about huey and starlight i agree with what you guys have said i like that we get kind of a slower simmer here with yeah. them because you can't you can't have the pot boiling all the time yeah. Um, and I think it's just a season where Huey can be there too, you know, as the Billy Joel song reminds us about being human, mm -hmm. um, connecting her to, to that, because I think mm -hmm. that she, I think one of the things I took away from season one was just how afraid she was of losing that humanity, of losing mm -hmm. that piece of her that was wanting to do good because she saw just how awful some of the, the people that she was now in 
kind of uh, work with. Uh, so I like that Huey is now just taking on that role of we can take it easy. We both have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're sitting on our hands here, but I'll just kind of be like, we can let this kind of just be in the background a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, we can check back in with each other on the relationship front mm -hmm. um, while still kind of inching things a little bit forward by growing that trust and yeah. that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like they, they both kind of come to terms with the fact that doing some bad things doesn't necessarily make them bad people mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know because it's like whether intentional or not they've both done bad on paper bad things mm -hmm. they've you know been involved in illegal or killed people or whatever you know bad mm -hmm. bad things however that doesn't necessarily define them and I think that they're coming to terms with that in some things which yeah. is something that I feel like Huey was really struggling with at the beginning of this season especially when mm -hmm. it came to butcher that's probably partially why he was so angry at him because mm -hmm. he drew him into this world right and now he's yeah. a part of it and then he's not there to like i don't know take accountability for that when it's like no you have to take accountability for that and you have to like either be okay with it or not be okay with it mm -hmm. and and i think by the end of this both huey and starlight are like all right I not, we don't you know don't love that I've had to do these things, but I'm okay with it right now, and I can mm -hmm. move forward how I'd like to, which is how we see Huey end it, right? Like, all right, yeah. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it from the inside. I'm mm -hmm. gonna go forward with you know, working for good. Yeah, TBD on that, but that's yeah, seems like where he's at by the time we get there, and both of them, and they well, become and they end up together. Too. I was gonna say they it brings them together. I yeah. think that mutual understanding. And like just taking a breath together is what ultimately is able for them to be like, all right, let's just, we can be together and we care about each other and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause it's that acceptance that like, I like how you said it, that like doing bad things doesn't make them bad people because that means like, if neither of them are bad people, then being with the other one is not wrong either. You know, yeah. it's just, this is, this is where we are and we know we both have the same goals, but we might not always approach things from the same direction, you know? Well, and I also think to what we've been talking about, you have to be able to kind of deal with yourself before you can really like mm -hmm. go into that next phase of yeah. like, are we like, what's this relationship now? Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, they really needed to kind of like reconcile what they've done, say, okay, this is, this is the situation, but we have to understand why we made the choices that we made. And it doesn't mean that we're awful people. And, and maybe there is something that we can uh, salvage from this. And so I like, I, I think that there's, you know, there's like a real uh, connection that's forged in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there are a couple more things on the list, but they're not my, they aren't things that I put on the list. Cause I, th I, I put, just yeah. tend to frame things through I characters, a, but yeah, a couple, and we've been talking about it. I just love how this, just looking at the whole season, just the kind of the conversation around these relationships Mm -hmm. And just what it means. And I, I know we've talked about this in some of the other episodes, but just being in a relationship as a soup mm -hmm. and like what that means to do that. We see that, especially, I think, with Maeve 
uh-huh. is kind of like one side of it where it's like you have no no privacy and your relationship is really going to be like thrown out there all the time when we see that with Maeve. And then on the other side of it, we've got Homelander and Stormfront and just kind of like that side of it and just the sacrifice and like what you would have to give and what it would take to be with a person like that as a non-suit. Like that's a lot to ask. And ultimately that's why Maeve's relationship doesn't work out because it's dangerous. Um, And then I just, we got a lot of backstory. I think we learned a lot about these characters this season, Mm -hmm. a lot about their past where season one, it felt like it was a lot of table setting. It's like here we get to that depth, that depth of those characters. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it was all done really well and actually contributed to these characters. Like flashbacks mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff can sometimes get obnoxious, whether it's in a movie or a TV show and just feel like, okay, great. But I think mm-hmm. here it was all super worthwhile and actually move things forward, which mm-hmm. is what I think ideally it should do. So yeah. um, that's all just overall, just kind of things in the season I noticed. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to think about you know, cause I, I kept saying like last season we saw Homelander with Madeline and that there was so much that he could not do in that relationship because she was human and he's a superhero and he finds, you know, he finds a uh, stormfront this year and that doesn't make anything better, but it, it, it just like thinking about Maeve and Elena being together and what it costs them. And neither of them are in the wrong at all. Neither of them did anything wrong. It's just sometimes relationships aren't meant to work out or there are too many conflicting, like there are too many obstacles in the way. And I think Annie and um, I always want to say Annie and Starlight. I think Annie and Huey kind of had that for a little bit too. And we see like Becca and butcher, like they just ultimately cannot overcome all of the obstacles in their way. And it's just, it's tragic. But then we see another couple Frenchie and Kamiko who are, right, are yeah. it looks like they're going to be able to find a way. I mean, at least from what we've seen now. Um, and I think it's just a really, really beautiful, but like human look at relationships and all of the different factors that go into it. Cause none of us are superheroes in real life but we all have things that we trip over and we all have things that we're stronger at and weaker at other things and you know it's just it's dynamics you know it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what kind of ability you have you still have to make it work with another person as your authentic self and you know sometimes it just doesn't work out so sorry that's a lot of me rambling but I just think (laughs) it's really sweet Well, let's move into shock and awe, which is when we talk about the most exciting moments, the biggest shocks, the coolest stuff. And I'm thinking we can maybe go round robin a little bit and just kind of shout out some of what we love. I want to bring up Gecko um, because (laughs) I still would date. I forgot about him, but thank you. So thank you for bringing back up that like what he is like selling himself to do is fucking wild i know only on this show you know (laughs) nicole what were some of your favorite moments um one that really got me towards the beginning is just the our our kind of onslaught of violence by stormfront Mm. at kind of the top yeah um because again it just is it's so in tone with the show of here's someone that maybe we like and 
we want to be on their side, but then we see them doing this absolutely awful thing. And then we just see these little bits and pieces of this character kind of crumble Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the season. But yeah, just there's something so like just her her kills are just so intense to me because she just seems to do it with a certain amount of relish. Yeah. And yeah, adding on, you know, racial slurs where she can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's brave to present a character like that. It is. Okay. Not holding back. Still one of my favorite villain reveals of the show also is when we finally that she makes that turn and it's so, so despicable and scary. And even Homelander has that moment of like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? 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 Yeah. The record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah. and if you get that reaction from Homelander, from Homelander. Like, yeah. You're doing something wrong. Yeah. You gotta think about your life and think about your choices because either tone it down or I don't know, but yeah. No. Um, I, I loved the whole girls get it done thing early in the season with like mm-hmm. the movies and the press tour. And it's just like, what I like about it is just how, believable it felt and it's like oh we've mm-hmm. seen this and i think we talked about it. it's like we've seen this in marvel movies like this just like kind of virtue signaling kind of marketing campaign it's so funny because it's so self-aware but just how they're pulling it off like i was eating it up and laughing so hard <laughs> yeah well and then on the opposite end of that spectrum that fight at the very end is just like one of my favorite things i've ever seen on tv i yeah. love it so much yep um might be the reason that i actually wanted to start doing this podcast because i wanted to talk about it because it's so cool um yeah also uh want to shout out uh never truly vanish man that song gets stuck in your head it is a good song um aaron moriarty the commitment Uh the commitment like it's a real song real music video it's out there like i love the commitment to that and same thing with like a train song like we only get it for Mm -hmm. a second but just like more more of that please (laughs) yes totally and hey we will see more of that (laughs) um also black noir felled by an almond joy like the strongest character was not expecting that i know taken out by this allergy you know yeah, that's why you have to uh you have to be careful with those nuts. You do, uh-huh. yeah. Need needed to have been a nut free zone in that um that meeting room. But also interesting that Maeve just happened to have one, you know, because like who has so an almond always, joy on she, him? She does, just in case. You know, just because she knows, because yeah. she knows this is what's gonna get him. Um uh, I loved the, okay, no, two no, little no. terror terror the dog. I love that we bring, you know, bring him back. Mm. I loved that. Just it was like, oh yeah, I thought that you know because we saw him in a flashback, and it was. Like, I even th- I think I asked like, what happened to his dog? No, yeah. I know. Thank you, tying that loose in. Um, and also Lucy, mm. the whale blowing through that. Window. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I it was just so disgusting. It was horrific, and also just like no. <laughs> I know, and I just I see keep seeing Huey like laying inside the whale and just like cannot get out like, and just then the gonna... moment when mm gets in with him is like well it's, it's just He's such like, a i'm sweet... just gonna live here now this is where, yeah this is where i am <laughs> and that's one of the things that i think makes this show 
so fantastic is it's like a moment that is that disgusting, but can also show us such deep things about these two characters, just in just mm-hmm. a brief little exchange, you know, um, the congressional hearing, I was really looking forward to talking about that and to, to see yep. your reaction to Did not it. expect it. Did not expect yep. that same thing with the, the, the Stormfront and Homelander sex scene was not oh, expecting yeah. that, but I loved it. And also I appreciate that the next episode they showed that she's doing the repairs in her house because that is like one of those things that it would just bother me. Yeah. It's like, yes. She's actually like got like, you know, the contractors in there repairing the damage. So just that, that dedication and thoughtfulness to something as stupid as that. I was like, yes. I love yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, and you know, also I enjoy the uh, Homelander, you know, having sex with himself, which mm-hmm. I thought was, Oh, very interesting. And it starts with Madeline and then quickly turns to him. And then just that the whole season ends with him just kind of jacking off into the air. I think it's just, you know, and then Lamplighter, I got a shout out. I just love Sean Ashmore. I think it was such smart casting. Um, So yeah, I wish, I wish he would have stayed around, but you Mm -hmm. know, maybe we'll get a flashback or maybe he'll pop up on, um, I don't know, a flashback on Jim V or something, or we'll get the Lamplighter show. Yeah, probably. Any other moments we want to shout out? I mean, I think we mentioned uh, a couple, but just um, kind of our badass assassin doing mm-hmm. what she does best. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that also whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is quite good. Um, yeah, that it, it was nice to see. I hate to say this, but kind of violence that you're like. It's bad, but also go on. Yeah. yeah. It's uh-huh. just cool to go see on. her like yeah, just being Relish a Relish in that strength. hmm well, Same thing with like throwaway the characters, whole... you know. Yeah, exactly. That whole um Sage Grove cabin mm, in the woods style yeah. thing with all the different soups. Like loved that. Oh yeah. Uh, and just the creativity. Yeah. Very cabin Shown in the woods there. moment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's choose our fighters. This is when we pick the MVP of the season and say why we love them. Nicole, who are you picking for season two? I hate to say it, kind of have to go with Stormfront (laughs) as like an MVP because the season is really like about her, about Mm -hmm. how she manipulates both the seven and the public Mm -hmm. and the reveal of her. and her origin, I think, is so interesting. And I think that that is really the the beating heart of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, disclaimer, doesn't mean that, like, she's good and, and we want to see that. But I, okay. yeah, she's got to be the, MV, the MVP for me. Yeah. Oh, I've picked Homelander many, many times. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be our the best character on the show but yeah rachel who are you picking yeah i'm i'm picking stormfront and i do not endorse anything she does <laughs> or stands for but like <laughs> she does drive this entire season and she's fueling what we see with homelander and like mm-hmm. it's because of her we learn about sage grove and it's and i also just love as a character how they're able to use her 
you know, to inject that social commentary and stuff into it and make it like super timely and relatable. And it's terrifying in that way too. Like her character is terrifying, but it's also terrifying how uh, we can relate to it and how real it is and how we can see that in this actual world, which is what is so intelligent and amazing about this show. And mm -hmm. so, you know, just looking at it from that big umbrella of what this season is trying to say and, you know, relation to that kind of stuff, that's Stormfront. Yeah. for the most part so i yeah and her performances um i cash is like performance is incredible and um yeah she she fooled me at the beginning a little bit she kind she halfway fooled me uh <laughs> so i just appreciated that too how she didn't lay all of her cards out on the table right at the beginning so yeah stormfront sorry <laughs> oh no hey yeah i i agree she is she's not my mvp but she is very high up in the rankings i want to give an honorable mention to becca mm -hmm. because i think she's great r.i.p r.i.p yeah. and but i'm gonna shock the world and pick homelander <laughs> um because and for a lot of the same reasons i think we were talking about stormfront i think it's just like he almost feels like the the fred astaire to her ginger rogers in this season you know yeah and just for those moments of humanity i think we see it just shows me what like an incredible performance this is from Anthony Starr too, because it would be so easy to just make this an over the top villain, you know, and I think he and Stormfront, he and Stormfront, the way they work together this season is just, it's genius. It's such great political commentary, you know, and or social commentary and it's just chef's kiss so yeah stormfront and homelander are big winners tonight although we were going to go on the record and say they are bad <laughs> they're villains but we also enjoy watching them um well let's do a little bit of predictions rachel what do you think are going to happen next and what are you excited to see in season three which is right oh around the corner gosh. i know i have not even watched a season three trailer so no. i really have nothing i have no idea um, if you've made it this far, don't, I would I'm, say. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not going to, but I'm excited. I'm hoping to see Starlight and Huey full boyfriend-girlfriend mode and the ups and downs of that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Starlight and the Seven, to be honest, because she's kind of in a weird spot right now, it seems like, especially now. Um, excited, I guess, to see Homelander just absolutely lose his shit as he is just going full rage mode and i'm excited and hoping to see kind of a political thriller conspiracy side of things with huey infiltrating newman's campaign or just you know what's going to happen there i definitely think he's going to uncover some things and maybe find out that newman is not all that she appears to be uh for better or for worse um i'm really not sure i'm hoping for better i'm hoping she's kind of like some sort of spy activist person but we'll see um i'm not really sure about butcher which i'm kind of excited about because i want to see something new with him didn't really care for everything that we got from him this season and i don't know where he's gonna go with that so <laughs> i'm gonna get curious to see that because yeah i mean i don't know what he yeah what's left to fight for when the battle's over now that becca's gone is he gonna be mm -hmm. go to full dad mode i don't know um I'm also kind of assuming that we're going to get some new soups because we've got some holes to fill and that makes me very excited. I've heard rumor of, oh my God, see now I can't even remember his name. Oh, Soldier Boy, but I have no idea what or who he is. So I'm, I know nothing about 
the background of this character other than Jensen Ackles is playing him. So I don't know if he's and a that good I'm guy. so excited. Oh my god! I don't know if he's a bad guy, but I'm excited to see and find out. <laughs> well, all shall be revealed, and I am just dying to talk to you about season three. It is my favorite season. Some really, really game changing things are going to happen, and I'm very, very excited. And I'm not going to say anything else because, yeah, if you've somehow made it this long without yeah. giving into temptation, then just go in fresh because some shit's going to blow your mind. And I'm so excited. Well, let's wrap up with some plugs. Um, Nicole, where can we find you and what's coming up on Bodies of Horror? Well, you can find me pretty much in the same place that you're finding this here pod <laughs> on the anatomy of a scream. A pod squad with bodies of horror and it is a bi-weekly podcast that looks at horror films through the lens of disability and kind of related to uh the boys i have done an episode on brightburn um Ooh. and talking about just you know especially as a, a kid being having different abilities Mm -hmm. um although that's always a disability community real great way to phrase it mm -hmm. um but to uh kind of like compare those experiences of like why how am i different why am i different and how do i fit in and the kind of fallout and implications that can come with that so mm -hmm. and it's very much related i think in a lot of ways to some of the stuff that we've touched on just with coming to terms with um you know being being who you are that we we see unpacked in in the boys so um yeah if if any of that <laughs> interests you uh you can uh come on over to bodies of horror and you can find me on social media um i'm on twixt twitter um, <laughs> whatever it is uh, at Bodies Horror. I'm on Instagram at Bodies of Horror Podcast and Blue Ski um, <laughs> as Bodies of Horror. So uh, always feel free to uh, give me a shout. And Rachel, where can we find you and what's coming up for Halloweenies? Yeah, so Halloweenies, we're wrapping up the year. Um, Child's Play Ranking is out. We've got some fun just, you know, wrapping the year up some top 10 horror kind of episodes coming out. And then we're going full alien. So starting in January, we're kicking off our new season just with, you know, no big deal. Just a little old film called Alien. So oh, yeah. it's going to be a wild year. Tons of research. Uh, we're not panicking, not nervous <laughs> at all. Nope. It's but also like super excited because I mm -hmm. think each and every one of us. And I'm sure you you two as well, like, just love that movie. So it's mm -hmm. going to be a very passionate, dedicated season. So very excited about that. Um, yeah, and you can find me on, I like how you called it Twixt. You can find me yeah. on Twixt at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L, or on Instagram at The Vinyl Girl. And you can find me at Jim Ferratu on all of those places. And uh, Carson the Losers Club, and we're finishing up 112263, which we're kind of ending our uh, super heavy researchy thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
as as y'all are starting it. Poor Mike Groffman, who's gonna just be mired just in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But two great things to talk about too. And you can also find me co-hosting the White Ladies in Crisis podcast on this very pod uh, feed, along with uh, Joe Lipset and Gina Radcliffe, and also the Lady Killers podcast. We are about to start the new year with some really fun uh, killer ladies. So uh, check me out in all of those places. But if you follow me at Jim Ferrato, I'll post all of it. And that's it for this episode of the Girls on the Boys. Um, We want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. Make sure you check out all of the other fantastic shows in the feed, um, like Bodies of Horror, White Ladies in Crisis, The Altar Tapes, such sites to show. There's just so many great shows in that feed. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. No, I loved uh, chatting about season two. It's it's a banger and so excited to kind of follow you guys through season three because it it don't let up nope <laughs> it doesn't no nope. i'm so excited um well and speaking of that we are gonna be back in two weeks to roll out the red carpet and talk about the dawn of season three um at a very special premiere event And so until then, remember, you guys, you are the real heroes. Squad.